Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. I'm Des White from White's Chartered Accountants from Western Australia. We provide premium accounting services at half the price, and you're listening to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. Des, give us an overview of White's Chartered Accountants, your team structure, locally offshore, how long you've been going, and a little bit about the business. Nick, uh, thanks a lot for inviting me onto the podcast today. Um, we've got a, a total of uh, one partner in our chartered accounting firm with 20, 20 to 22 staff. Uh, at the moment, uh, we have 12 staff in Australia, and that's down from 17 staff in Australia 12 months ago. Uh, and that's because we've started outsourcing to the outsourced accountant. So we, we now have uh, eight staff with you. Our first outsourced accountant staff member started in October 2017, which is, is only eight months ago. Uh, we initially started with four uh, of your Philippine staff, and we, we started with four to prove that we could actually uh, finish the work that we sent them expertly and efficiently. Since then, we've recruited another three people. So I think we've got uh, six or seven with you now and we've got another couple starting. So at the moment, we've got uh, 12 staff in Australia, eight, eight staff with the outsourced accountant. So all up about uh, 20 staff. We expect over the next couple of years to go to 10 staff in Australia uh, as, as staff move on and, and probably 20 staff in the Philippines. It's been a very quick growth and journey with with your firm and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on but yep. Des tell us a little bit more about your firm does it have a niche or are you a generalist tell us a little bit more about that I think we're very similar to uh, an average accounting firm in that we are uh, predominantly a compliance taxation accounting practice um, I suppose where we may differ is that we provide taxation to high net worth individuals. So our average client would be um, have a few million dollars of investable funds, and we've got clients right up to uh, you know, over a hundred million dollars. Um, our niche really is just getting their taxation advice and compliance correct. Uh, so we don't do a lot of consulting to our clients, um, and we're not even really looking at moving into that. Um, our tagline uh, that we, we say is premium accounting at uh, half the price. It's a very interesting tagline and I've seen some of the advertising that you've done and it is very catchy and it's very effective. So Des, tell us a little bit about the story of setting up your offshore team. What were the motivations behind doing this versus obviously all the other priorities that your firm had at the time? Uh, we had several motivations, but our driving motivation was fear. We could we could see that uh, having a cost structure that was uncompetitive in several years' time um, would be highly disadvantageous to our firm and our clients. The first motivation, uh, the fear one, is driven that we understand that our clients, like most clients, they want more for less. 
So like most organisations, our clients are facing competition and cost pressures like everyone else is in this digital age. Our clients are being asked by their customers to provide more for less. And in some cases, um, yeah, our, our, our clients are saying that their customers want much more for less. So we could either stick our head in the sand or we could say, let's, let's try to move, uh, move to an offshore environment where we could uh, basically get much more bang for our buck. Um, and our clients and the newer gener uh, millennial generation uh, clients and the Gen Z clients are being exposed and conditioned by Google Facebook, Skype, and many of the other services that occupy hours of, of their day. And the problem with that is all of those things are free. And so a lot of this, the new, the new world is actually going to, they don't just want things better, easier, faster, cheaper. They actually want wow, now, free. So um, it's the other motivation that we had was the cost of training a graduate in our situation in Australia, who had zero expertise, so we only employ uh, really smart people. So the our average, you know, half of our graduates that we put on in Australia a few years ago had their master's degree, and they averaged over seventy-five percent across their whole course. So you put them on, and they actually can't do anything. So we found that it was taking us twelve months. Uh, to train a graduate and it was costing us 600 hours of time or at least $60,000 on top of their base salary of $50,000. And what we also found is once we'd trained them and uh, they had expertise in their head, it was easy for other organisations that didn't train graduates to offer them 10K more than what we were paying and, you know, the graduate, you know, walking and saying, hey, look, it's just an opportunity I've got to I've got to take it and, and move on. So the other motivation to moving uh, over to the uh, to, to work out of the Philippines with you, Nick, was um, was just the cost of us training people in Australia and and how quickly they moved on. It's interesting because a lot of accounting firms would not actually know how much it does, or how much time it takes to to train a new. Um, team member or graduate and the cost related to that, most would have no idea. So tell us a little bit more around why you know those numbers and, and I suppose the effort you're putting into this area. I think because, you know, like, so I've been a chartered accountant for 35 years or whatever and, you know, had our own practice for 35 years. And I suppose that we've all just been conditioned to that, that that's the way it was, that's the way it is, that's the way it's going to be. So we sort of haven't, you know, it's easy not to have analysed the fact because you just go, why analyse something that you can't change anyway? It's sort of just a built-in, it was just a built-in overhead really. And, and, and like, you know, so we just analyse where all of our time and our costs go and that's the way we're able to work out, wow, it actually costs them more to train them than what their first year salary is. Yeah, that's great. So, Des, tell us a little bit more about how did you go about getting set up, researching, finding a partner, you know, recruiting, onboarding? What was the process and how long did it take? So, from the researching point of view, Nick, uh, we had extensive experience and expertise in outsourcing. 
So over the past 15 years, uh, we've been working and advising with some of our tech clients, and we gained extensive experience in offshoring programmers in both Malaysia and Sri Lanka. Um, we had a very uh, hands-on approach with our tech clients over that 15-year period. So unlike most people that you're dealing with, we we have a lot of experience in it and we in actual fact have um, those tech companies have, have currently got 15 to 20 people in, in those offshore locations and we're very hands-on with them. In May last year, which was May 2017, we attended a workshop put on by our great friends Ed Chan and David Naylor from Chan and Naylor. We actually saw you, Nick, presented that uh, at that workshop and the holistic way that TOA had gone about the whole outsourcing service was amazing. The quality was first rate from recruitment to training, retention, office space, security. We could not believe uh, outsourcing could be done better and that's based on us having a high success background. So we didn't do much research once we saw what you guys could do. Uh, so we made, we made the decision on the spot and as soon as we made that decision, Within three months, we'd signed on with TOA and we asked you guys to find us four accounting staff. And so within a month, you guys had provided us, provided us with uh, candidates. Um, and so what we do in relation to screening the candidates is we actually pay those candidates to sit a one-day trial. Uh, you know, so we don't just do an interview because we don't, you know, if, if, if you're interviewing somebody for your swimming team, you would, you'd probably want to see them swim in the swimming pool. So we, we, we put them through a one-day trial where they're actually going to be doing accounting work, and that's run by one of our second-year accountants. Um, and so we, we devised uh, you know, that, that one-day initiation with all the skills to ensure that they're going to be happy to adopt our systems and values. What we've found, Nick, over the last... Uh, you know, nine months working with you guys, that basically three out of four of the staff that you put forward, uh, we offer a job, uh, which is fantastic. And and then a month after you offer them a job, the candidate starts because uh, in the in the Philippines, uh, the, the people that are working have got to give a month's notice. After they've started, um, we have a very intensive one-week training and that training is either uh, on the preparation of the financial statements and income tax returns for a, a self-managed superannuation fund, which may have a couple of members and be worth a few million dollars of assets, or otherwise they do, in that first week, they do a business uh, trading through a discretionary trust with a few individual beneficiaries and income tax returns. So in that first week, they, they do the complete financial statements and income tax returns for one of those type of things, whichever, depending on which division of ours they're going to go into. And after that one week of training, in week two, we've, we've found that um, the TOA staff are 50% recoverable, week three, 75% recoverable, and by week four, they're 100% recoverable. Um, and by 100% recoverable, we get seven hours chargeable per day um, and have no write-offs. So, so all of our staff charge $35, uh, 35 hours per week and our charge out rates for our Philippine staff uh, are somewhere between uh, you know, 55 and 75 dollars per hour. Um, for our first for our first group of Philippine staff uh, that we put on we sent one of our second year 
uh, Australian staff over to train them for, to do that first week of training. Um, for the next two groups of staff that we've put on at the Philippines, um, that second year accountant oversees that training um, from Australia, but it's actually now run by the previous Philippines trained people. So the whole the whole process, Nick, you know what you guys have put together is just amazing, and it really works well for us. So that's 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 how it works. Yeah, that's you know, so much great content in there, Des. Now, one one thing that we'll talk about a little bit later, I won't do it now, but you've been able to get your staff doing high-level work really, really quickly, which is something a lot of firms really struggle with. And we'll come back to that point um, further on in the, in the um, podcast today. But for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them to move as quickly as possible? What would be the three most critical things that you would spend your time on if you're doing it again? The, the first thing that they've got to do is find a great offshore provider. And uh, like without a shadow of doubt or anything else, uh, I can... Yeah, you know, I can I can vouch for TOA as being you know, the most professional uh, organisation that we work with in any organisation, whether it's legal, banking, or anything else. Uh, TOA is just incredible. So the first thing you want to do is is is, is deal with a proven proven supplier. Um, the other the other part to it is Nick that all knowledge workers only have two assets, which is expertise and time. And that doesn't matter whether they're a knowledge worker in the Philippines or if they're the most qualified taxation partner in Australia, really all they've got is expertise and time. And in relation to expertise, expertise is the difference between a graduate and a partner. So a graduate's got little expertise and a partner's got a lot of expertise. White's came across uh, a platform called Expotential, which is um, an Expotential have got a hybrid AI human platforms that enables any organization to capture, share, and manage expertise for their knowledge workers. So once Whites had captured the expertise into the platform, we've been able to change the cost and time of training a graduate um, to be fully productive from 12 months and costing us $60,000 uh, to week four, you know, by week four now, it's really only taking us two to three weeks and a thousand dollars to train our graduates to be fully productive. So, so basically, uh, Expotential's hybrid AI human platform enables organisations uh, staff to gain ten times more expertise uh, in one tenth of the time and with only one tenth of the experience. So we've, we've achieved those 10 times gains across all roles from graduate role through to senior and partner level. Yeah, as I've said, um, if all of us have just got expertise and time, then uh, expertise and time is what AI has to manage all day, every day. Um, so this expotential uh, is AI and it's, it sits over a staff member's entire day for everything they do and it directs our staff from graduates to partner level for that entire seven hours of chargeable work that they do each day. So every one of our staff members have a dashboard that's open on one of their computer screens that tells them exactly what job they are working on, what activities they are going to do, and exactly how they're gonna do it and how long they've got to do it. 
So on average, one of our staff members' day is broken down into 10 to 20 activities, which are then further broken down into 10 to 20 tasks. So quite often, so when a, when a staff member opens up their dashboard, uh, it's going to tell them this is the 100 to 200 things that you're going to to do today and it provides them without them having to remember anything or go look for anything with the exact expertise that they require to do each task and exactly the time required it takes to do that task. So that's the only reason we can complete jobs expertly and efficiently is because we use uh, Expotential's hybrid AI human software. We implemented Expotential into our firm two and a half years ago. Um, and so once we'd proved that Expotential could capture, share and manage the expertise, uh, we then knew that we could actually uh, move our junior and intermediate staff, the ones that were non-client facing, offshore. So Nick, you know, in summary, the answer to your question, firstly, they should implement Expotential hybrid AI human platform. Secondly, they must appoint TOA as the outsource, you know, to, to do their outsourcing. And thirdly, they've got to have the attitude um, that you're going to make this work 100% efficiently immediately. And fourthly, if they don't do the above, they'll be out of business in the next five to 10 years, but I'd say that it's probably five years. Yeah, I know you've got some very interesting views on that and, you know, you know, I suppose all transparency exponential you've built out and it's now its own product and it I've seen it and it's amazing what it does and the ability for you to be able to get your team members um, in your global team doing the work they're doing so quick. Um, I haven't seen any other client be able to do it that way. Um, so Des, give me in one word if you can or a very simple phrase yeah. to describe the value your offshore team provides, what would it be? Same resources at one third of the cost. And all, and that, what that also combines with is a massive reduction in our onshore overheads, technology and office space commitments. Excellent. So your perceptions or the perceptions that you've heard of offshoring, what are the main things that you've heard and what has surprised you the most? Um, I've heard that offshore takes uh, a lot to manage. Uh, I've heard that uh, offshoring is a lot of hassles. Um, I've heard offshoring is baby steps. Offshoring has cost savings, but you lose half of those savings because of the additional management from your onshore staff and rework and costs. Our answer would be uh, yes to all the above if we didn't have expotential. Um, without expotential, uh, all we would be doing is moving our staffing and training problems from across the desk to across the world. So it would be a trade-off, yes, lower wage costs by 65 or 70%. However, it would be harder for our existing Australian staff what we've found is if you make it harder for your staff, they're generally not going to be too happy about uh, about change. Excellent. So, Des, the year ahead, what is your plan with your offshore team? How do you plan to keep growing your team, their capability and their performance? We'll grow our team to 10, uh, 10 by the end of this year. So, we, we, we've got eight, eight with you now. We'll have at least 10 there, but I would 
be surprised from what I'm seeing that if we don't have 12 with you. So, you know, basically we'll have gone from zero to 12 in, in, in the first uh, 12 months with you. We're also heeding your advice, uh, Nick, and putting in a documented career path, uh, plan paths for each of our Philippine staff. I'm not much of a traveller, but I'm going to spend a week in the Philippines, uh, I would say by September this year, to go th to personally go through those career paths with each of our um, you know, 10 or dozen staff in the, in the Philippines. That's, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic because, and that's one thing, I mean, I know that I raised it and I raise it often around, a lot of accounting firms don't have documented career plans, both for their local team or a global team. So, you know, big high five for um, for putting those in place and, and going over there um, to, to really go through them. Moving on, some recommendations for our listeners. What are the some of the top um, things that you would recommend they do in managing their offshore team? Great. Um, well, the first thing, uh, Nick, is that they've got to have uh, for their firm, they've got to have a mission statement with their vision, purpose and values. And that isn't, you know, people have got it and, you know, it's on the wall or whatever. Our staff in both Australia and the Philippines, they know that by heart. So they, they know it off by heart. They don't they, they don't know it a little, but they don't know it just a bit here and a bit there. They actually know it off by heart and in the exact order. If people, if firms talk about a culture, but their staff can't even tell you what the vision, purpose, and values of the business of your business is, how can they have a consistent culture? Uh, the second thing, I'd ensure that they've got expertential so that they can get jobs done expertly and efficiently for half the cost and hassles. The third thing is every day we have a staff meeting at 8.30 and our, um, so with all, that all of our staff uh, attend every day, it's our 10 minute whip uh, program where um, my partner Craig Ball, he goes through every individual's dashboard for the day. So we have our Philippine staff in on that meeting uh, every day. So. We've got our uh, 12 staff in Australia, our eight staff in the Philippines. They're, we can see their faces on the screen. They can see all the people in our meeting room in Australia. And, and, and my partner, Craig, can go through exactly what our staff, every staff member's doing in 10 minutes. Um, so it takes basically 30 seconds a day for Craig to look at their dashboard to see which clients' work are they doing uh, and, and everything's working. And then the last thing, Nick, the fourth thing is I'd ensure that the Philippine staff have a documented individual career path that has been gone through, you've gone through with them and that you both signed off on achieving over the next six and 12 months. Yeah, some great advice there, Des, and, you know, really appreciate it. One thing I will um, talk further to is that daily huddle, and it surprises me how often I talk to accounting firms and how many firms don't do that locally, let alone when they've got a global team. Um, I was speaking to an accountant earlier today, and I asked him, what, what are your meeting rhythms for the business? And, and the phone line just went silent. And he just said, look, Nick, we, you know, we chat throughout the day when we need to, but we don't actually have any meeting rhythms. And it just it shouldn't surprise me, but it does. Every day I talk to accountants and, you know, a lot of them just don't have these basic communication patterns. And when you're running a global team um, in a distributed workforce, it's so critical you have these things in place. 
So Des, we're going to talk about some um, metrics and KPIs. What KPIs do you use to measure the success of your offshore team? So we've really, we try to keep things simple and uh, we're great believers if, um, if it doesn't get measured and monitored, it doesn't get done. So we've, we've only got one KPI in our firm. Uh, which has held us in really good stead. It's um, it's a hundred percent chargeable recovery, which equals seven hours per day. Great KPI, love that one. It's very simple, very easy to manage. Yep. How how has offshoring benefited your clients? Basically, uh, we can offer our clients better, easier, faster, and cheaper, which is what I want from all my suppliers and what clients want from us. We actually call it BEFC, which is the letters B-E-F-C. Um, so so BEFC is what we believe uh, all customers want. It doesn't matter if they're, uh, they're you know, so we've got, we've got client, we've got 50 clients that are worth over $50 million. We've got a couple that are worth more than $100 million. Those clients still want us to provide better, easier, faster, cheaper service in the premium tax accounting area that we supply. Um, so we have also used all of our cost savings to invest in capturing more expertise into Expotential. We've uh, now uh, got our second most expert staff person who's you know, chartered accountant in tax with 15 years experience as a tax manager. She works 100% of the time capturing new expertise into our system so that we can, once we've captured it, we can then share and uh, transfer that expertise to our, to our more junior staff member in one-tenth of the time um, that it took to actually capture it. So, so what that that's meaning is our more junior staff are, are just fast track fast uh, tracking their their use of uh, expertise the other thing that it's also it benefits our our clients is that any savings we've also made from the philippines we're, we're actually um, able to remunerate pay our Australian accounts we, we want to have them as the highest paid accounts so uh, so any any savings that we're making in relation to offshoring in wages we're also transferring um, those savings to our actual uh, our existing Australian staff and that's that in itself is a really interesting strategy where you're going to have the highest quality, highest paid accountants working for you and accountants wanting to work for you locally while yep. also building a globally distributed team to do a lot of the, the back engine work that most accountants locally don't want to do anyway. So I'm, yep. I, I, yeah, I mean, my thing with that is if I was an accountant in the marketplace looking for a role, your company is the type I'd want to work for. Yeah, well, and we, you know, we've, uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get on it later, but um, like I come from a, uh, like an elite sporting background and if you look at any of the uh, elite sports teams or anything else, they don't try to get average people playing for them. They try to buy the best in the world. No better than looking at the Premier League where, you know, Premier League or the Soccer League where people pay $100 million pounds or euros just to, to get a better soccer player. We, we believe um, the way that um, the whole world's going with uh, – AI platforms that you're going to have to have to survive, you're going to have to have the best staff. Average is not going to cut it. 
Yeah, couldn't agree more. I'm a big fan of A players and the Bs and Cs play for our competitors. Yeah. Um, so how has offshoring contributed to giving you more time personally? I know that you don't work in the practice um, much yep. these days, but how yep. has it given you more work-life balance and your business partner as well? Uh, I'm working on some technology projects. So we've got a West Perth accounting chartered accounting practice and you know, for the last uh, eight months, I've been working with tech uh, some tech companies in Sydney. So I haven't been at the practice at all uh, working on the accounting stuff. And my partner in the last uh, uh, nine months has had three months overseas. So our work-life balance is, we think, pretty pretty good. Um, and so in, in, in relation to what I do, and like I'm a bit of an, an older person is I spend 40% of my times uh, attending seminars and, and going to education events to see what's going on in the world. Uh, I spend 30% um, of my time uh, with existing clients and uh, that's what I'm doing in Sydney and I spend 30% of my time with challenging new clients because we find the challenging new clients that that's where uh, that's where we learn a lot more that we can uh, then leverage through to through to our other clients as well really interesting really interesting and, and love it so how has offshoring had an effect or has it had an effect on your average hourly rate and the profit to your firm so it, yes, it's dropped our rate in relation to our junior accountants um, and the accountants that are based offshore. So, uh, which I mentioned, our charge-out rates before. You know, so we can we can provide uh, just incredible trained junior accountants for you know fifty five fifty five then this. 55 to 75 dollars an hour and remember they're doing complex financial statements and income tax returns for you know multi-million high worth uh, individuals so it's enabled us to drop the charge out rate in relation to our junior account but it's enabled us to increase the charge out rate of our Australian accounts which means that by increasing their charge out rates, we can actually pay them more so we can recruit better people um, the other thing is every dollar that we've saved um, on top of that, which is probably a couple hundred thousand dollars this year, we've invested back into our ex-potential hybrid AI human expertise management system that enables all our staff in Australia and the Philippines to gain more expertise and then hence get paid more because the more expertise they've got, the more we can pay them. So we're investing it back into the system so that we can train our staff so that we can pay them more so that we can recruit better people. Yeah, great, great advice. So what one bit of advice would you give your younger self from a business point of view? Yeah, well, this this will probably go over a lot of people's heads and it's pretty scary. Um, there is more change coming in the next 10 years than we've seen in the whole thousands of years of history in the accounting profession. So more change in the next 10 years than since Pythagoras was a boy doing pyramids. Um, platforms are going to dominate all markets that they enter. Uh, and so for, for, you, you, you know, for any accounts out there that don't spend a lot of time on platforms, platforms are like Uber and Airbnb uh, are coming to compete with all knowledge worker jobs and professional services jobs which includes the accounting profession. On top of that, you've got AI, artificial intelligence, is being overlaid on platforms 
that will enable a third year professional to have more expertise than an existing partner with 15 years experience. And I have personally seen this technology. On top of that, I personally know that an Amazon type competitor, Predator, using platform AI technology is being set up to to attack the entire Australian accounting firm industry in the next two years. They are going to be recruiting the best people in existing organisations and offering them at least 20% higher remuneration for just a four-day week. So there's going to be no more five-day working weeks in that organisation. They are going to be poaching our best staff they're not going to be coming after my average staff. They're going to be, you know, so in our, in, our, in our firm, our two or three best people, we know that they're going to be targeting them. So my advice to, uh, to a younger me would be, um, you are dead in both small and large private low-tech non-platform AI accounting practices. If you have the brains, passion and drive, go and work for the coming Amazon uh, accounting AI platform businesses that are about to be launched. And for those listeners, listeners, uh, listeners that don't think that that's possible, just go ask Nokia, Kodak and Blockbuster. All of them were world, were world leaders and all of them went out of business um, within several years. And what's even more scary is, you know, I was just recently told a little bit more about that. Nokia's highest share price was on June, was in June 2007, which was the which was the month that the iPhone was released by Apple. Within five years, Nokia's share price had gone from 40 euro to 2.5 euro, so it had dropped 95% within five years, and it wiped over 100 billion euro off Nokia and Nokia had a 50% global market share in all uh, mobile handsets. So you go, no one I know in Australia has got 50% world market share. No one's got, is a technology leader. Now, so if Nokia could be basically go from hero to zero in five years, well then what's gonna happen in, uh, in professional services with these AI platforms coming is gonna be a lot scarier. Yeah, look, you've certainly given our listeners a lot to consider there, and I know that some will have strong opinions against it, and I know that some are, are probably sitting there worried now about what the future may be. Oh, well, um, anyone that are against, uh, think I'm wrong, um, I, I'm really happy to have a $10,000 bet with any of them. It's <laughs> a good way to put your money where your mouth is. So, there's one bit of advice that you would give your younger self from a personal point of view. Each day, uh, I think that they should uh, meditate exercise um, and have fun by finding the most expert master to teach you anything that you want to learn. That's great advice. What is the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team and is it true? Um, the biggest myth is that um, people may think that they've got a choice. They might think that offshoring is a nice to have, not a have to have. That is 100% false. 95% of the average accounting firms in Australia will not be in business in 10 years if they don't offshore, Nick. 
and you go, oh, people go, you know, people say, oh, but so-and-so thinks this and so-and-so thinks that. Proof, uh, the proof, Nick, is that um, do you have any clothes, shoes, anything that you are wearing on you that is made in Australia? No, it's very little. Uh, hey, there's no cars made in Australia. There's no phones made in Australia. There's no TVs. It's all made offshore because offshore is at least 70% cheaper and it's at least as good. Excellent. So, Des, we might just finish off today with a quick five um, questions to you. So yep. what is what cloud software do you use? Um, so we use, uh, as we've discussed, Exponential Hybrid AI Human Platform. We use Myob, Zero, and you know, any other accounting software that is cloud-based. Excellent. What's your favourite app? Exponential, and secondly is Uber, because I'm in Sydney. I, I, I catch uh, Uber everywhere. It's fantastic. Excellent. What is your must-read each week? Uh, every day I read the financial review from cover to cover. Excellent. Favourite social media channel? Realvisiontv.com. Okay. I've never heard of that one. Do you want to give me a 30-second overview of what that is for our listeners that haven't as well? These these three guys that were fund managers managing you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of funds, they said everything we read in popular media or see is just shit. And so what they did is they said, what, what if we could get the most successful people in the world, billionaires, to tell us what they're investing in, what are they, what are they fearing financially and everything else. So every week, every week they have two to three videos with billionaires that have been in business for 20 or 30 years telling you exactly what they're doing and what you know what are their what are their fears what's going on financially and everything else so you know it's just just incredible viewing seems interesting i'll have to check it out so last question your favorite kpi um business is finish jobs expertly and efficiently for half the cost uh, which means that we can have an irresistible offer and we can keep competitive and still be in business in five years' time. And personally, uh, my KPIs are at least one hour of aerobic exercise and 15 minutes of meditation every day. Excellent. Now, we'll put your contact details in the show notes for our listeners to get in contact with you, but what's the fastest or best way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, they, they're more than happy to uh, email me uh, at my email address, which you'll have up on the screen, d.white at whites.com.au. Excellent. And thank you for so much um, interesting points today, Des. I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot out of this today. My, my pleasure. And uh, Nick, thank, thanks for, for you and your team to be just like awesome suppliers. Uh, and it's just a pleasure to deal to business with you and, uh, and just observe your professionalism and your progressiveness. We, we, just, we just love being involved. Thanks, Nick. No worries. Thank you. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks and have a great day.